Last play here. Has it. He puts a kick in. It stacks on. Play on here for Melbourne. They're going to go in and score a try. Burgess playing it. Hook at dummy half. Ilias goes short to Murray. He pops a pass. It's a beauty to Cody Walker. That's a way to hit back for the bunny. King. Has it. Now Katoa. Meany out wide to Warbrick. Oh, what about the strength from the Melbourne Storm winger? An opportunity here now for Melbourne. Olam finds Xavier Coates. Down the touchline he goes. Xavier kicks in field on the bounce. Munster's got it. There you go. What a try, Melbourne. Cameron Munster. Now Ilias. Latrell Mitchell shot. And they're going to get there. Campbell Graham in the corner. Here come the bunnies. Full time. The Storm 18 have defeated South Sydney 10. Uh, there you go. So uh, it is the Bunnies who taste defeat against the Melbourne Storm. I did tip the Melbourne Storm. And only reason being, boys, I just had the feeling they're not robots, these blokes. So the first month for South Sydney, round one, they played the Sharks. Now, the Sharks are a team who they've met in finals in the past and a great rivalry there. Round two, they took on the defending premiers who they had to push them all the way. Penrith were dominant. Round three, the great rivalry against the Roosters. Round four was the build-up of, you know, Gentleman John, the late Johnny Sattler. They go to Golden Point. They craft out a win. They weren't the better team, but they found a way to win against Manly. And then round five, for them, Melbourne wasn't the biggest game of the year. For Melbourne, this was their biggest game of the year. Did you feel like there was a little bit of fatigue? Yeah, and you're right. They're, they're human people as well. So to go through the month they've had, it's been a, a draining month for them. But... Melbourne, yeah, that, they'll never say this, but they, they, they were desperate. You know, they had yeah. to win that. Um, yeah, they looked, they beat Parramatta around run, and they, they would have thought that before. No, they had, you know, I think it was Bulldogs, Titans, Tigers coming up, um, and to get through with two losses in those three weeks would have, you know, stung them a bit. So they needed to get back on track, and this was a really important game for them. I think they are legitimate contenders. Both these teams, by the way, if they get full strength, Melbourne and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. But uh, what do you think, AP? Well, South probably beat most teams. Based on their performance, and and I, I agree a hundred percent with the the come down, um, you know, from the whole Sattler um, situation. But um, they missed fifty two tackles, Melbourne, which is an extraordinary amount of tackles. South only missed twenty four, but they made the ones that matter. And there were some wonderful covering efforts. The one from Harry Grant, for instance, Tui Kamakamitha as well. Like big plays, like they scrambled really well because South threw a lot at them. But they and you know they probably win that game more yeah you know, against most other teams and you know for Melbourne to do it without so many of their stars that are yet to yeah. come, come back like they needed to bank a couple of wins if all of a sudden you start in the next few weeks to get Nelson as As of Solomona back um, perhaps is still a little way away what's the, but, what's the mail there AP Pap that, that that's a really hard one to to get a gauge on because I mean he. He's only just started running, like as in running on land. Like he's yeah. been doing most of his stuff, you know, in the pool. Um, I heard round nine, round ten. Is that would that be accurate? Or what's... It, it's it's hard to say. Like, yeah. like potentially, and like you know, no one will be more diligent than him with his rehabilitation and everything that he's done with Bill Knowles overseas as well. But um, if they can just bank a couple more wins, and they've got you know games that they probably should win, like they've got the Bulldogs and Dolphins next. If they can get through those with two wins and then all of a sudden the, the cavalry comes back, they're going to be in a, a really good spot. I've never, I can't remember a season where 
early in the year, so many plays are out. Like even round one, there were so many big plays out. Yeah. Um, so it started the year really strange. But yeah, if, if teams can get through these games while they're missing troops and still get wins on the board, um, you know, they're only going to be better when the Cowboy comes back. Okay, boys, let me ask you this. Do we agree Ryan Pappenhausen, when fully fit, is a big, big name in the game? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, how many games has Ryan Pappenhausen played in the NRL? 60, 50. It's probably, what, just, just north of that? Six, 69. Yep. 69, wow. Yep. Yeah. 60, it feels like he's been around for a while, hasn't it? Yep. Yeah, 69 and 48 tries in that time. He's, he's a point scoring machine when he plays. But, I, I, geez, I hope. I was actually there. Right. In, so my young bloke loves Pappenhausen, loves the Melbourne Storm, and I surprised him for his birthday. I took him and a mate down. We stayed the night, went to the game. I play in Canberra, and right in front of us, Pap goes down with a knee. Mm. What What about Shug? The fact that you've had guys like Josh Adokar, uh, Pappenhausen at the Tigers, and the Tigers have just oh. said, "No, nah, I don't think you've got a future here." I know, honestly, like, well, <laughs> what, what they would do to, to get Jackson one of Hastings. those back. Yep. Like, just imagine Jackson Hastings really with this Tigers team compared mm-hmm. to what it was last year. It has to be a far better team, doesn't it? Well, the fact that they're looking at Mitchell Pearson, and this oh. is no disrespect to him, okay? Like He's been a fantastic player for a long time. Well, he left at the end of 2021. It's so Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Like Because, one, he, he, he was sick of the NRL fishbowl, which is exactly what the Tigers would yeah. be. Imagine the scrutiny of someone going in there. And also, like to be fair to him, the game was starting to go past him. Since then, the game's only gotten faster. We've got the six again rule, et cetera, yep. et cetera. He's not going to get any any better as a result of a few years, you know, at Catalan. And for them to think that that is the answer, it doesn't matter what the question is. Nah. Mitchell Pierce is not the answer. And the fact that they, even the way they went about it, like yeah. it's just, he was never going to want to come back. And yeah. it, it's gotten out into the public arena before they even got the opportunity to get knocked back by him. It's... But I feel really bad, Timmy. And, yeah. and you may one day down the track do the same thing as it Eel's great, but... I'm not a Tigers great. I'm a Tigers ex-player. That's all I am. But I feel really bad, you know, criticising the club. But but we're in our job to do our job. And it just gets so frustrating. And sometimes you see it with journalists, you know. Whichever team they support, they can be quite critical of that team. It's because it probably yeah. means a little bit more to them. And when I see our club, you know, fishing for Mitchell Pearce, it's like... This is nothing's changing. Like, this is such a Tigers decision yeah. that we've become accustomed to, and it frustrates the tripe out of me. It yeah. really, really frustrates the tripe out of me. And rugby league, God bless rugby league, but there's some average people who can get jobs in rugby league based on some of the decisions, not just West Tigers. I'm talking about the whole. There is some very unprofessional decisions that get made in the great game of rugby league, and it drives me mad. Yeah, okay. I've got a couple of thoughts. One, when Tim Sheens came out talking about how everyone knows they're looking for a senior halfback, I thought that's what Jackson Hastings was. I thought you had you had a senior halfback under your nose and you let them go. So if they're looking for some time, they could they could have had, kept one. Um, my thoughts on the Tigers, and as clubs in general, I was talking this about this yesterday, but I think privatized clubs where you know a Russell Crowe or you know it's privately owned or manly, 
you get less dumb decisions because they have to they have to deliver for, you know because there's yeah. an owner there that wants a result that's right where you got these you know tigers and you know bulldogs and Parramatta and these clubs that are owned by lease clubs and it's not someone's money going through their hands it's a any kind of ghost thing. Yeah, that's right. It's a lot less, it's much more loosely monitored who gets in the role and you don't always have the right people in the role because if you lose some money or get some wrong decisions, who cares? There's no owner coming down, that's right. hammering them and saying, you know, what's happening. So I think those clubs are definitely run differently than those, like, you know, the privately owned ones compared to the non-privately owned. I, I agree. There, there, there may be an argument, uh, whilst not privately owned, someone like a Lee Hadji Patelis might say, well, I've got a significant investment in the club, so... I, I'm in, you know, so he, you may look at it that way, but they're not a privately owned club, and I totally understand and agree with what you're saying there, Timmy. Well, it's, it's almost, and, and Tim sort of would, would be able to speak to this a little bit. Like, I, I think about Parramatta Eels in 2016, where, again, there were a lot of issues with the, the board and the front office, but, but they had a reset. Like, they had the salary cap scandal, and it meant that um, the board was basically speared. Like, the New South Wales yeah. government got rid of them and mm. put in you know, a liquidator and, you know, an administrator basically. But it was, that was their moment to reset as a club. And at the moment, the Tigers don't have that. They don't have yeah. voting members. So if, if you're a disgruntled Bulldogs fan and you're not happy with what, the way the club is run, you can go to the next election and vote out the board and vote someone who you think will do a better job. At the moment, there's no accountability at the Tigers because that board can be there forever and a day. There's no mechanism or switch that you can flip. And it's... I look at the Mitchell Pearce thing, it's like they were sort of, people were having a go at them when they were trying to get Cameron Munster and Mitchell Moses almost saying that like you're shooting too high and now it sort of feels like it's gone the other way. It's like, well, we're, we're trying to you know resurrect the career of someone who's about to turn 34 in a week's time to steer around a club that yeah, was 16th and is now coming 17th. And he like, said no. It was even more embarrassing. The I fact know. it was one thing to go to him, another thing for him to say no, no thank you. Like it's, <laughs> it's made him look even worse. But even with respect to, and, and I love personally Benji Marshall, Robbie Farrer, and Tim Sheens for that matter. But, like, why? why? Like, why? Benji has not coached a single day in his life of SG Ball... Jersey flag, and I know we're giving him a two-year transition under Timmy Sheens, but what does that say to the rest of the people? Like, and and it's not even the formula. The formula is not the ex flashy player, the great Mao Meninga at Canberra didn't work. Brad Fittler when he started at the Roosters didn't work. The formula is the one who's invested, putting in the time. Mm. Andrew Webster, Trent Robinson, Craig Fitzgibbon. It's, that's the formula, right? Yeah. That, that's the formula. So, again, it's like I hate bagging the club, the Tigers, but when you've seen the same thing go on and on and on and the results are showing, Blind Freddy can see that Luke Brooks isn't a seven, hasn't been a seven. Yes, he won a Dallium halfback of the year. The halfback of the year Dallium is based on how many points a player accumulates wearing that jumper doesn't mean he was a halfback hasn't made a any of those representative teams so how is this mediocrity being able to continue and continue and continue and continue and based on decisions we've seen why is that going to change because it comes exactly the point i made earlier there's no accountability there's no if they get it wrong they'll shrug their shoulders oh you know what that was a bad move let's let's sack and let's get another new coach um the same way penrith did it to ivan cleary then got hook and then all these all these payouts. It's not someone pulling their hand in their pocket and saying, "Here's a million dollars," and actually hurting. It's no. 
it's just a big organization that's linked to a Leeds club that has pokies. And all of a sudden, we're just handing out money left, right, and center. And if we get it wrong, oh, well, the fans will be a bit pissed for a bit. Then we'll, we'll swap it over and we'll get someone else in. But there's no one sitting on their shoulder saying, I can't afford to get this wrong. I need you to get it right from the first one. I can't go two years without no. being wrong. Um, and I think that's the real difference in clubs that have to get it right and clubs that don't have to get it right. So, you know, we just keep doubling down on wrong. It's called doubling down on wrong. So the Sheensy thing. Sheensy did a great job for the West Tigers, but he hasn't coached in the NRL for over 10 years. He has not coached in the NRL for over 10 years. To be quite honest with you, I would have loved them just to have stuck with Madge and yeah. just said, hey, listen, boys, uh, the players that I'm talking about, this bloke's won a premiership. You know, like we've got Appy Coruscant coming here who's won a premiership. We would have been far better. And it's not a shot at Tim Sheens and it's not a shot at Benji and it's not a shot at Robbie Farrell. It's not personal in any any regards there. But it just doesn't stack up in any possible way. And it just drives me mad. What, and what happens to that succession plan if, if things don't get any better and Tim Sheens gets sacked? So who then is meant to mentor Benji Marshall? And then who's going to take that job for two years knowing that they're going to be out of a job? I, I, that's the thing. But, but what... Why did we need to? Why did why did the club need to? Because they needed. It's a publicity stunt. Like they were in an awful world of hurt, and they thought this is something that'll placate the fans. We're bringing back our favourite sons. We're getting the band back together. We've got Tim Sheens, who's this you know ornament to the game. He's our best coach in yeah. the club's history. We're going to have him back. We've got something to look forward to with a transition That's plan. That's fine. That's fine. To, to Benji Marshall and you know Robbie Farris, part yep. of the the squad. You, you look at their coaching staff, they've got about literally a dozen former players, which is great. You know, they have varying levels of input. But ultimately, it was a look, look at us, we're doing something, brighter days are ahead, when they haven't actually thought strategically about, well, what happens if this doesn't work? The, the biggest winner in the club and, and the bloke who's got, I think, the closest attributes to coaching out of that 2005 squad. So, Toddy Payton's obviously gone. Um, Andrew Webster, who was a junior through the club, he's gone. Ben Galeer is the bloke who was the biggest winner. Mark O'Neill, who's a general manager at Parramatta, he's gone. Ben Galeer is, and Hodgson's involved with the Wallabies. So all those guys, yep. Ben Galeer is the number one candidate. If you wanted to go at 2005, he? he's just out there in the world and um, in a finance company. But smart rugby league mind, absolute winner, has been since he's been at school. He was voted by the 2005 team to be the vice captain of the team which means he went over the top and went with Princey, which is fine. The history says he did the right thing. They won the comp. Princey gets a Clive Churchill medal. But, like, why, why was it not enough to go, okay, this is what we're doing to placate, placate rather, placate is the word you use. This is what we're doing to placate the fans. We're going to bring Sheensy in, Benji in, Robbie in, all going to plan, you know, if we get the job done, we're looking, we'd love to see uh, Benji take the reins from there. Why did we need to commit to five years? And it's not a personal thing at Benji or Robbie or Tim, but it's a decision that's like no one else was queuing up for this scenario. So why did we have to do it? Yep, there are, there are premiership winning coaches that are currently sitting on the sidelines waiting for a go. Yeah. Like, like it's not like there's no one that's not available or you can always go down the route of, you know, the, the next best and brightest. You know, there are plenty of guys that are, are waiting for their shot, whether it be the origin coaches, whether there's Jason Riles or whoever else. There are plenty of other people that, that could do the job. Have you say one three hundred oh one eleven seventy? I will leave it with this. So I did speak to a former, one of those names I mentioned, and said, how's this all going to play out? And they said, well, look, Benji's a winner.
He might get it done. Well, he might just do so. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. This is Crunch Time on your Saturday. You can text 0457 736 736.